0: The Detroit Pistons are 7 8 in January. Is this team turning a little bit of a corner? Nothing world shattering, but are they starting to get better and figure things out? Also, Kay Cunningham, rookie of the year. We'll talk about all that on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. locked on pistons your daily detroit pistons podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day what's the deal welcome back to another episode of the lockdown pistons podcast per usual i am your host kuka hill you can find me over on twitter at kuka hill i want to thank you guys for making On pistons your first listen of every single day we are free and available on all your podcast platforms and if you haven't already Head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. We have crossed over, I believe, fifteen hundred and twenty subscribers. Let's keep the road going. We're trying to be the best fan base at the Lockdown Network. So again, if you're watching this on YouTube and ha- haven't hit the subscribe button, or if you even watch this on the or listening to this on the podcast version, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Um, so I'm gonna keep it a stack with you guys. Today's gonna be a little bit of a shorter episode. Now I gotta be honest with you guys. Today's episode is coming to you guys a little bit later because last night. I had a little bit of some conflicting things I had to do. So I, I had the Pistons game on, but I also had, obviously, you guys already know the guy in the background, Matthew Stafford's game on. And, you know, he just went to the Super Bowl. So I was losing it yesterday. I was in no shape or form ready to be on the podcast. But I did watch the Pistons game. Don't don't worry. The Pistons game still is at the forefront of my mind. I had that game on. The Rams game comes second. But I did have the Pistons game on. And there's a few things I want to talk about on today's podcast. Obviously, Kay Cunningham is freaking amazing. We're going to talk about how incredible he is. Uh, but also, Sadiq Bey has been playing extremely well over the last 23 games. What does this say about him and what does it say about the team moving forward? Uh, and there are also just some tiny other things I want to talk about at the end of the podcast about what we saw in last night's game. Uh, so it's not going to be too long of a podcast, but let's go ahead stop talking. Uh, stop hinting at it and let's get right into it. So, Kay Cunningham, he got off to another shaky, shaky, shaky start. And this one, of course, had to come against Evan Mobley. So you already knew all the drama was going to be there. You already knew once K started off 0 for 11 that, oh, here we go. Here we go. K against Evan Mobley, 0 for 11. We were just talking all this smack. Everyone was just talking about how he's the rookie of the year. Everyone was just talking about all this. And now he goes up against Evan Mobley, and he's shooting over 11. He's not showing up. We look dumb. Maybe Evan Mobley really is better than him. Maybe Evan Mobley really is the rookie of the year. He's showing him up. All those kind of things. It was looking bad for Cade early on. Again, another straight game that he started off. I believe that's back to back games he started off at least all of ten. Uh, and that's that's. while what we're going to get into is good and, and a tremendous to see from him. That that can't be ignored. That can't that can't keep happening. Uh, like I said, what we're going to end up talking about is great, and you want to see that from a guy who's struggling early on. Uh, but that I think it is like I will not say concerning, but you don't want to continue to see him start over ten, over eleven. Like back to back games, doing that is pretty, pretty hard to do. To be honest, it's pretty hard to start off 0 for 10 in back to back games. Like that's that's you don't want to see that from your your star guy. Uh, so that that definitely is something you want to see get better. But after going 0 11, and the Pistons were down at halftime, and the Cavs are basically laughing at the Pistons in the first half. Uh, they they were playing, they, they were on that street ball stuff. They were, they were thought this was gonna be an easy game. They thought, oh look at this, we got it in the bag. This is easy, all this stuff. K Cunningham in the second half goes six of ten from the floor, two of four from deep. He gets five free throw attempts, which is absolutely shocking. I can't believe he got five free throws after how he get he getting smacked around down there and not getting no foul calls. Uh but yeah, six of ten in the second half. Leads the Pistons back and gets them a 115-105 victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers after being down and ends the game with 19 points, 10 rebounds. 10 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, and this this might be the best part about it. 1 turnover. Now, that I i absolutely love this game from Cade, man. First of all, it's already great that he did this against Evan Mobley and got the win against Evan Mobley in the Cavs. So all those Cavs fans that were in my mentions, you guys can go ahead and go back to being quiet because our rookie just shut you all up. But Cade, it's like, I've told you guys about this problem on the podcast before. It's hard to, like, really talk about Cade. Because all we can sit here and say is that the dude's just great. He's just amazing. Like, what else am I supposed to say about this? He's able to hit pull-up threes. He's able to get all the way to the basket. All those concerns about his athleticism and whether he'd be able to get to the basket and finish around the rim. That was all stupid. He's able to finish with both hands around the rim. He's able to draw contact around the rim. And this time he actually was able to get free throws. I, again, I've told you guys before, I don't think he has a problem on drawing contact. He draws contact. He just doesn't get the calls. Uh, I think that's something that will change moving forward, hopefully in, uh, probably next year or something when he gets a bigger name, I guess. Uh, but there's not nothing this dude can't do. Uh, what is it that Cade can't do? He can hit free throws. He can shoot from deep. He can shoot pull-up threes. He can shoot catch and shoot threes. He can get to the rim. He can shoot in mid-range. He has, floater, he has a floater game in him. He can play defense. He impacts the game on ball off-ball defensively, and on the weak side coming over on some weak side contests. And I think the biggest thing is he has that clutch gene in him. Everyone knows that crossover step-back three that Cade hit to put the Pistons up by, I believe, six at the end of this game in the dagger of the Cleveland Cavaliers, that wasn't the only bucket that was ice in his veins. He went unconscious in the fourth quarter. He hit two free throws with 26 seconds left. He hit that step back three with a minute 33 left. He hit another three step back three with five minutes left. He hit a driving layup with six and a half minutes left. Like this dude, he's he's fantastic. The Pistons have themselves their guy. That on display yesterday shows why he was the number one overall pick. When he's struggling, and when he doesn't have a shot going, he's able to find other ways to contribute to the game. I saw one of you guys tweet at me yesterday and say, when Jalen green struggles shooting wise, he's not bringing anything else to the team. Kay Cunningham can struggle shooting and still be impacting the game and helping you win the game. And yes, like I said, you don't want to see him shoot. Oh, that doesn't mean you give him excuses. Like that doesn't matter. That's that. You don't want to see that. That's bad. That's horrific. That can't happen. The fact is though, is that when he's struggling shooting, he's able to help you in every other area of the game. And when his shooting comes around, it slides out. He's able to get his teammates open shots. He's able to get active on the glass for a smaller team that has a 6'9 guy starting at the center spot. He's able to impact off-ball defensively, on-ball defensively. He makes his teammates better. And he closes the deal when you give him that opportunity. Kay Cunningham showed last night against this apparent rookie of the year that he is the best rookie in this class. He showed why he's the best rookie coming into the draft. He's showing why he was called the most complete prospect that they have seen over the past 10 years he's showing why he's going to win the rookie of the year at the end of the year. No question about it. He's freaking fantastic. And again, those who didn't watch the game, they're going to see 28% from the field and be like, oh my God, he played a terrible game. 6-10 in the second half. I, was it all of 10 he started off over 11 of Either way, it was either 6-10 or 6-11 in the second half. Went crazy in the second half. Crazy late. Closed the game out. Another triple-double for him. So now the Cure auto insurance commercial actually makes sense. And... Hey, that's all I've got, man. Kade's great. Kade's amazing. I can't wait to see the future with how the Pistons build around him. Uh, it's it's great. Kade's amazing. He's gonna win Rookie of the Year. But something else that I guess hasn't really been talked about enough. I feel like I've talked about it a lot, but maybe we haven't been giving enough attention to apparently his his Robin that's been coming to help him in these games, and that's Sadiq Bay. After early ridicule really cool from me. He has completely turned it around over the last 23 games, we'll talk about that in the upcoming segment. But first, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, your guys' favorite sponsor, Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include a Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll actually want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. But like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's all the chocolate at? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new and limited time flavors. So check out Bilt.com often to see what's new. So go to Bilt.com, use our promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, go to Bilt.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. So again, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this on any of the podcast platforms and you haven't hit the subscribe button over there already, head over there. Do that's the best way to support the podcast. Again, I would really appreciate it. Last night was a really good night for me, guys. I don't know about you guys. You guys gotta let me know if it was a good night for you guys. It was a great night for me. I got to see Matthew Stafford go to the Super Bowl. I was looking like a little kid. I felt like I was 10 again, jumping around the room, excited. And with this, I got to watch, before that happened, I got to watch Kate Cunningham shut out the Cleveland Cavaliers and play insane and literally hit multiple daggers at the daggers at the daggers on them. After, you know, Cleveland Cavs fans were in my mentions in the first half about Evan Mobley. So you know they went went hush hush for the second half, and I haven't heard from them since. So if you guys have a Cavs fan, that's a friend, or if you guys are, are around any Cavs fans, ask them why why they're quiet now. I haven't got any mentions recently. I've been you know, I've been checking my my mentions every ten minutes. You know I've been waiting for them to show up. And I haven't seen them. So if, if you guys see them, let me know because there's a mi mi they're MIA right now. So the, the missing persons report right now for all Cleveland Cavalier fans that were saying is better than Cade. But and we've t- spent a lot of time talking about Kate, I feel like. And and you guys know on this podcast we spend a lot of time talking about Killian Hayes. I feel like I've spent a decent amount of time talking about this player coming up, especially over his how well he's played. But maybe I should talk about it even more. And that's what we're gonna do here. Sadiq Bay, is he emerging as a second option for K Cunningham and a second option moving forward? So I have to shut that all that stuff down and trust me, we're gonna be extremely positive about Sadiq, but I have to shut that down because I've seen some of you guys say that that's not happening. Sadiq is not the number two moving forward. he is not the one a one b decayed. he's not gonna be a number two option moving forward that's not that's not happening he's not kate uh Sadiq's been great but but let's temper the expectations I just want I, I'm just saying that because this is what this is what tends to happen with fans. And they did it with Isaiah Stewart last year, and they do it. And, and it's not just Pistons fans. Every fan does this of every other, every team. They see a guy they like, he plays really well, and then they set these absurd expectations for the guy, and then when he doesn't meet those expectations, he sucks, he's a failure, and we hate him. So let's let's ex- be happy for the way Sadiq's playing right now and keep the expectations around this. So I, I just had to rule that part out. Now we can be extremely positive about Sadiq. Sadiq last night dropped 31 points in this win. He shot 11 of 20 from the field. Three of nine from deep. He got six free throws and was a plus 12 on the floor. Now, again, there's, there's a few stats in there I want to point out before we get to the overall how he's played over the last 23 games and what this means for the team moving forward. Again, we, we keep pointing this out in the pockets every time we talk about Sadiq. Two things. One, his free throw attempts. He got six free throw attempts. He's being aggressive getting to the basket. He's cut out the mid-rangers, and he's getting either threes or at-the-basket looks, and that's resulting in get him getting more free throw attempts and having a more efficient game. Now, he still struggles a little bit around uh, finishing around the rim. That's still a struggle for him. But he's realizing that he's so strong, and we've talked about this before over the past few weeks, he's so strong that most of the time guys are going to have to follow him. Even though he's not going—he's not a great finisher, guys will still have to follow him because of just how stronger he is than the other guy that's usually guarding him. And that's resulted in him playing a lot more efficient basketball. So the free throw attempts is one. And the second one, if you guys remember, I mean, I'm sure I've pointed this out in the pockets a few times since then, but a few months ago when he was in the middle of his slump, I pointed out how like less than, what was it? Like less than 40% of his attempts were coming from beyond the arc. And I said that he was going too far into this ISO mid-range kind of thing. He needs to get back to his bread and butter. A lot of his, majority of his shots need to be coming from beyond the arc. And he needs to create off of close closeouts and off of guys respecting his three-point shot. And over the last, 23 games, that's exactly what's happened. And you saw that last night. Last night, nine of his 20 attempts were from deep. He had three of nine. So he didn't even make a great percentage of those. But the fact that he's letting them rip like that, like that, like that, like that. Teams know that you have to close out quick on him or he's going to let it fly. And that opens up the floor for everybody and opens up the floor for himself to get open buckets, get to the rim, draw fouls. All those kind of things. And he's absolutely done a great job of that over the last 23 games. Not just last night, but over the last 23 games, like I said. He's getting back to what he does great. So, over the last 23 games, Sadiq Bey is averaging 19.7 points a game. 5.7 rebounds a game. 2.7 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 37% from deep, and 89% from the free throw line. Again, let's point this out right here. He's taking, over the last 23 games, 15.3 field goal attempts a game. Over half of those are now from beyond the arc. That is much better, and that's where it should be around for Sadiq Bey. He's not some ISO-heavy player. He's not some mid-range guy. Compare that to the first 26 games where he was struggling. He was taking 12.6 attempts, uh, uh, field goal attempts a game, and less than half of those were from beyond the arc. Less than half of them. That should never be the the, the 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 right shield there. That was a major reason why he was struggling. He was trying to do things that he just wasn't good at. And I feel like possibly, maybe, just maybe, that him seeing himself struggle doing those things made him realize, okay, I'm not that type of player. I need to get back to my roots and do these kind of things. Now, I would have rather him just do it out the gate. I think it would, would have led to a way better season for him. But if this is what needed to happen to get him here, so be it. It, this is this is where he needs to be ratio wise with his three point to field goal uh, attempts right there, over half of them compared to less than half earlier in the season. Great to see. And Another thing, like we've been talking about, his free throw, He's having three point nine free throws attempts over the last three or twenty three games. The first twenty six games, one point nine free throw attempts. So I guarantee you. And I don't know if you can do this anywhere. I've tried looking this out. If you guys know where you can do this at, let me know. I'm usually good with like where you can find stats and. All these things, I have a synergy, a clean the glass, NBA. I'm really good with those things, I feel like. But I I haven't been able to find a way to look at a dude's shot chart and split it within a season. If you guys know how to do that, let me know. But I guarantee you, if you looked at Sadiq bey's shot chart and split it over the last 23 games versus the first 26 games, you would see a bunch of dots in the mid-range area for the first 26 games. and the 23 games after that, you see less of those dots. A lot more dots at the rim and a lot more dots at the three point arc. And that's the kind of shot chart, shot distribution that's the deep bait needs to have. And that's why he's having such an incredibly great last 23 games. Like, dude, he's averaging 20 points a game. He's not shooting the best from the field, but it's not terrible efficiency 43% from the field, 37% from deep on eight and a half attempts a game, and almost 90% from the free throw line. It's not awful. I think that's decent, uh, decent efficiency while scoring 20 points a game. And that's a decent sample size, too. Over the last 23 games, he has a 58.02 shooting percentage. That's pretty damn good. He's played incredible over the last 23 games. I can't say it enough how great Sadiq Bey has played over the last 23 games. Fantastic. Great to see. This is what everyone wanted to see from him. This is, is, like, I'm serious. I don't know what other word I can say other than he's been amazing. He's figuring out ways to impact the game. He's impacting the game on the boards because he knows the team's small. And he's doing the right things offensively and looking for a shot. He's looking for the right shots. He's learning what he's great at. He's maximizing that. That's why I told you guys in the offseason. He he needed to realize what he's good at. Instead of trying to improve the things that he's bad at to average, take those things that he's good at and maximize that as much as possible. And that's what he's doing right now. And I I can't say – I just want to point this out one more time, and then I'll get to my next point. Free throw attempts, man. I, that That is huge. Two plus more free throw attempts a game over the first 26 games. Like uh, some of you guys may think, oh, it's only two two attempts a game. No, that is a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> That's a big improvement there. It means he's being more aggressive around the basket and drawing contact. And he's shooting 89% of those. You guys don't understand how big that is for a guy like Sadiq who's, who is fitting in or, or people try to put him into that 3 and D box, a dude who can get to the free throw line, a dude who can draw contact around the rim and hit these free throws at a high rate. That is absolutely huge for Sadiq. That's huge. If that's something he can continue to do for the rest of his career, he's going to be a really damn good player. That is huge. Being able to draw contact and get free throws is huge for a scorer. Anywhere, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Any type of build, if you're a scorer, you need to be able to draw contact and hit free throws and get free throws. And he's doing that over the last 23 games. I want to see if that continues for the rest of the season. That right there might be my favorite thing about what he's done. But, I think there's a bigger conversation that needs to come from this as well. There has been some reports, and you guys already know. Let me just say this because you guys know where I stand. I believe Jamie Grant will be traded. The Pistons will get what they want from him, and he will not finish, uh, finish out this year with the Detroit Pistons. He will be traded. That's my opinion. That's why I believe you guys can take that for what you guys want. Wink, wink, elbow, elbow, nudge, nudge. However, there has been some reports that have made Pistons fans worried about whether they're actually going to trade Jamie Grant. I've seen a lot of Pistons fans believing, okay, he's just going to stick around now. We don't think he's going to get traded. I'll tell you guys this much. Not only do I believe that Jeremy Grant will be traded and the Pistons will get what they want, I think Sadiq Bay's play over the last 23 games, and specifically since Jeremy Grant's been out, should rule out any possibility of Jeremy Grant touching this court again on the Pistons jersey. It is absolutely incredibly clear that he plays better without Jeremy. It's clear that. Killian plays better without Jeremy. It's clear that the offense is better without Jeremy. Heck, I I, I would venture to say damn near every player on the team plays better without Jeremy. But specifically Sadiq Bey, who has played extremely well without Jeremy Grant on the team, I think that has to absolutely rule out Jeremy Grant coming coming back to the squad. Combine that with all the other stuff we've obviously talked about, the fact that his value is that high right now, the Pistons need to capitalize on that value and add to their future core, especially because it's basically 100% guaranteed from all the reports. Even if you're questioning if he's going to get traded this year, he's not finishing out his contract with the Pistons over so just trade in the offseason. I think it's going to happen now. But anyway, like I say, the team offensively has been better without Jeremy Grant. In the 797 minutes that Jeremy spent on the floor with the Pistons, the Pistons offense was 7.5 points worse with him on the floor. The only player on the entire squad that plays rotational minutes that's worse than him is Isaiah Stewart. No one else is even close to them To The next closest After that is four points away in Killian Hayes. Four points away. So them two, it's clear that they just don't play as well offensively with Jeremy on the floor. And Sadiq Bey has exploded without him on the floor. I think that has to absolutely rule out the chance of Jeremy playing again. And it got to a point now where I feel like if Troy Weaver does not trade Jeremy Grant and does not capitalize on his high value, not only will I be mad that Troy Weaver does not trade him for his peak value, I'll be mad that he doesn't trade him and risk potentially ruining what the Pistons have going on with Sadiq. Cade, uh, Hamadou Diallo, Killian Hayes, all of them, because he wants to bring back Jeremy Grant, who has made it clear through all, all these reports he wants a primary role. So all of you guys who keep hoping out there and, and have been in my mentions saying, well, what if Jeremy comes back and just reverts back to the role in Denver? He has made it publicly clear with what he's chosen to sign with the Pistons last year and what he's saying in these reports and what he's requesting in the offseason. He has no interest in giving up the ball. He wants a primary role. He is not going to give the ball up to these guys. He wants a primary role within this offense, and you've seen how bad it hurt the offense with him wanting that. He should not touch the floor again in Pistons uniform. He should be traded, and if he does, I'll be disappointed. I'll actually be mad. I think Sadiq Bey has earned that, him being a part of the young core. I think he's earned the fact or proved the fact that the team is better without Jeremy Grant right now. They're 7-8 and eight in January. Not world-shattering, but they've been better. So Jeremy Grant needs to just go and stay out, trade him, Peace out. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for the shelter you're building. You're a great person. I appreciate all that. Uh, Great philanthropist, all all that stuff that that Stephen A. says, put the graphic at the bottom of the uh, the screen. He's a great person, great human being. I'm sure he's a nice guy, Great a big anime fan, all those things. But his time in Detroit needs to be over. Peace out. Ship him out of here. We appreciate all you did off the floor, man. Great person. Bye-bye. Trade him. Peace out. When we come back, we'll talk about some other things I saw in last night's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. It's the best way to support the podcast. Uh, But yeah, let's wrap up the podcast here. I don't want to keep you guys waiting too long. Also, I want to apologize again for you guys getting a little bit of a later release this morning. Uh or I guess it probably is gonna come in around one Eastern time, I think, when I post this. Like I said, I was too busy celebrating last night. I was off too much of a high with, with the with the Rams going to the Super Bowl. Uh, but it is what it is. I got you guys this podcast episode coming anyways. it is what it is. You guys had to wait just a few hours. I'm sure you guys can handle it. Uh, but here's some few things I want to point out from last night's game that I do like and don't like, both of them. One, uh Hamidou Diallo. Uh, was a minus 20 in this game in 19 minutes. He's not playing extremely well. I don't think he's playing bad, but um, he's starting to get overtaken in some minutes, which I don't think is it means like it's over for Hamidou Diallo. But I just think that we're starting to see maybe, you know, having Isaiah Stewart and Hamidou Diallo with Corey Joseph on the floor. Corey Joseph actually shooting 44% from deep this year, uh, but it's on very small sample size. I don't suspect that to keep up at all, and I don't think teams are ever going to really respect Corey Joseph like that. Especially because it's on such a short volume. Like, this is a dude uh, who just, what, what, what has Corey Joseph shot in his career? Yeah, he's, he's in 44% of his shots on 2.3 attempts a game. It's like not enough for anyone to really respect him at all. Uh, and I don't expect him to continue to shoot at that rate. On his career, he shot 33% from three on one and a half attempts a game. So he doesn't shoot them. So you basically have three guys out there on the floor who aren't going to shoot the ball uh, from deep, and teams don't really respect him. So I think you're starting to see, um, Especially if Corey isn't like – I get what Dwayne Casey is saying here. Dwayne Casey has said outright that he wants someone aggressive next to Cade who can try to take the load off of him. I guess that's why Killing's on the bench now. And because Killing can operate the ball in his hands more, you've seen that, he actually gets to lead the unit and gets to run, pick, and rolls and stuff, which I thought he played well in uh, every game so far off the bench so far doing that. Uh, But the thing here with, with Corey is that Dwayne Casey is so in love with Corey Joseph. He actually thinks Corey Joseph is that guy that can do that. Yeah, Corey Joseph went off for 18 points in that one game. That's not something that Corey Joseph is going to do all the time. Like, I, I don't know why. This is another person that needs to be traded from this team. Corey Joseph. You need to strip Dwayne Casey of Corey Joseph. Because if you get Dwayne Casey, any guy that he, like, has a friendship with and he loves, he's just going to play the hell out of this guy. And he's going to think he's, like, the next coming. And it, it's, like, I don't get it. The dude is not built to do that kind of things all the time. Like, let's, listen to how many points he scored over the last few games. Nine points. 21 points. 2 points, 19 points, 7 points, 18 points, 7 points, 10 points, 2 points. Like, he's not consistent. He's not going to be this guy that you want next to Cade shooting 10 times a game, nor should he. He just shouldn't be that guy. Corey Joseph should not be asked to play this big of a role. It's insane that we're, like, just accepting the fact that Corey Joseph is playing this big of a role next to Cade. Like, if you want to put someone in the starring role that actually can score, and if you want someone that can take the scoring part off of Cade, put Frank Jackson in the starting lineup. Frank Jackson will score, though I understand you want another ball handler who can, I guess, run some pick and rolls and maybe pass the ball. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get why he's starting Corey. But he's been, he been—he needs to be traded because there has to be someone else better than this. And Wayne Casey falls in love with these guys that he he has a relationship with and just asks too much of them. And that's going to lead me to my next complaint about last night's game. Corey Joseph played 26, 26 minutes, almost 27. Kaelin Hayes played 23. Never, never. Never, never should that happen. It should never, ever happen on any circumstance. The Pistons were plus 16 in the minutes that Killian Hayes is on the floor. They were minus 13 in the minutes that Corey Joseph on the floor. Corey Joseph is not that good of a basketball player. I'm telling you guys this right now. Do not let the little every now and then he gets 18 points and goes off and stuff. Don't, that's not who he is. He is not a good bat, that good of a basketball player. He should not be being asked to do the thing he's doing right now. We should not be accepting the fact that he's being asked to play this many minutes as a starter next to Cade and asked to be like this. Cade's Robin in the backcourt. Like this is it's we should not be accepting this. Should not be accepting this. And again, this all would be just avoided if Dwayne Casey simply would have figured out how to stagger Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham, how he's doing right now. It was not that hard, but it's simply, I guess he had no interest in doing it. I agree with Killian, if if Killian Hayes coming off the bench, you give him the ball in his hands more? He's able to play how he's played as of late? Fair enough. Fair enough, I'll take it. But Corey Joseph should not be this. Just, just, he played more minutes than Frank Jackson and Killian Hayes. And Hamadou Diallo. Like, why? Corey Joseph needs to be traded. He needs to be, Dwayne Casey needs to be stripped of Corey Joseph because with all these guys that we always get from Dwayne Casey's little tree that he's, he's, he's coached in the past years. He brings them here. He plays them way the hell too much and, and believes in them and loves them too much. And we get a 30 year old Corey Joseph playing more minutes than our 20 year old point guard and 23 year old backup shooting guard who shows promise as well. Like, and Frank Jackson. The crazy thing is, Frank Jackson had 19 points in this game. He's a positive. He had he shot seven of ten from the floor, three six from deep. Frank Jackson was taken out this game. I believe with like five minutes left in this game for Corey Joseph, and never came back in. Corey Joseph was with minus 13 on the floor. Like what? Why? Yeah. Look, with six minutes left, Corey Joseph came in for Frank Jackson. Why? Frank Jackson was literally having the probably one of the be- his best game of the year. For Corey Joseph, listen, I'm being kind of hyper hyperbolic. I think that's how you say it. I'm kind of mes- trolling a, a little bit. There's a little bit of a troll in my voice. I'm I'm kind of messing around. I get that when Casey wants to have, he's obsessed with these three ball handlers on the floor. But I, I I I promise you, Corey Joseph, not only by the plus minus last night, he just isn't that good of a basketball player especially when Frank Jackson is going off for 19 points and Killian Hayes is doing a good job of orchestrating the show, you have enough ball handling. I promise. Cade and Killian are enough ball handling. If you give them that kind of score and spacer next to them. See, Corey Joseph, again, like I said, and we'll wrap it up here. Corey Joseph can hit 44% of his threes in the year. But if he's only taking two attempts a game, teams don't care, and they won't respect him because he's never been a guy who shoots threes, and he's not going to do that. He's not going to continue to hit those. He, he took two last night missed both of them. Teams are never going to respect him. So when you have Isaiah Stewart and Corey Joseph on the floor with Hamidou Diallo, the spacing's awful, and the Pistons have now again started off 15 to zero. So actually, I'll end the podcast with this. This is actually how I'm gonna end it for all you guys. I know there's now there's it, 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 a good you know little split here uh, on my side, some people against me. We have now had multiple games in a row. of This Corey Joseph in the starting lineup. The team comes out and gets utterly, absolutely embarrassed for like the first seven minutes of the game until the bench comes in. And then as soon as the bench comes in, led by Killian Hayes, all of a sudden the game gets back into the game comes back and they actually get back in the game. How, how many more games are we going to have to witness? Listen, I love Killian Hayes having the ball in his hands more. I, I love it. I love Killian Hayes having the ball in his hands. If it means him coming off the bench and picking rolls, fine. If that's the only way Dwayne Casey finds a way to do it because he refuses to stack on them, then okay. But have we seen enough already now to know that the starting lineup is, in fact, not better without Kaelin Hayes in it with Corey Joseph? Like, Kaelin Hayes still closes each quarter anyways. Like, the second quarter, he'll close that with the starters. Fourth quarter, he's closed that with the starters. Like, he's still playing, closing with these starters because it's the better unit to do. So, are we ready to accept now? For those of you guys who were questioning me, are we ready to accept now? This was not because the starting lineup was better without Kaelin Hayes. This was simply because... Dwayne Casey was incapable of finding a way to get Killian Hayes the ball in his hands more without bringing him off the bench. And the starting lap, in fact, has been trash with Corey Joseph in it. Yes, he had that 18-point per game, 18 point game against, who was it, Denver in that loss. But this is now like back-to-back games, multiple games in a row, the Pistons come out and get like absolutely shellacked like the first 12 minutes of the game. If you want to bring Killian off the bench, fine. That's not the point but great Corey Joseph out here and get someone else trade for someone else or just start Frank Jackson. That that would be better. Just do that. That's all I've got for you guys today. <laughs> this last segment, I was positive for the first two segments. Last segment I had to go a little off the rails, have a little fun. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I appreciate it. Thank you for being locked on, making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day where you're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button over on YouTube. I'd really appreciate it. It's the best way to support the podcast. And if you haven't already, make Lockdown Bets your second listen of every day, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your podcast platforms. I really appreciate you guys checking in. On the show every single day. Again, making it locked on piss since your first listen of every single day. But I have to update you guys on something real quick before we end the podcast. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And lockdown NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and the Lockdown Fantasy basketball host, Josh Lloyd, to get analysis of every blockbuster move that happens. Subscribe to the lockdown NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. It's going to be a great show. I might even appear on it because I think the Pistons will probably be active. So make sure you guys tune into that. Go ahead. Turn those no designs. It's going to be a great show, fun show, great way to watch the trade deadline go down. Uh, But until next time, I'll see you guys later. Go Pistons. Matthew Stafford's going to the Super Bowl. I'm happy. I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody.